היי, אתם מאזינים ל-On Israel, על מוניטורס פודקאסט מתל אביב, אני בן כספית. The hand that uh, set fire to the explosive Israeli front with Iran is now trying to put out the flames. Israel has been signaling in recent days that it would not retaliate against the attack attributed to Iran on an Israeli-owned merchant vessel, the third such attack this year. The Iranians began attacking Israeli cargo ships some two months ago, right after the New York, New York Times revealed that Israel had attacked and caused grave damage to dozens of vessels smuggling Iranian oil or weapons for Hezbollah and other terror groups over the past three, day, three years. The gradual escalation with Iran came to a head with three operations in recent days, all attributed to Israel. the powerful strategic explosion at the uranium enrichment facility in Natanz, the sabotage to the Revolutionary Guards Commando and Intelligence Collection ship in the Red Sea, and an uh, aerial strike, which has become almost routine on a Damascus, Damascus suburb warehouse full of weapons for Nasrallah. Whether deliberately or by some cosmic coincidence, this escalation was happening even As negotiations began in Vienna on a U.S. return to the 2015 nuclear agreement with Iran and on Iranian compliance with the deal, and as Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin was holding his first working visit to Israel. The moves uh, attributed to Israel are making Washington and other capitals nervous. They fear the Israelis, feeling abandoned by the Biden administration in its campaign against Iran, have decided to rain on the international parade taking place in Vienna. After all, Prime Minister Netanyahu himself said Israel would not be bound by agreements that the powers reach with Iran. It also seems that the intimate dialogue with the new administration that Israel had been expecting in hopes of winning over the Americans is not really taking off. Now that it no longer has Donald Trump at its side, Has Israel really decided to take on the entire world without the backing of the President of the United States? Did Netanyahu not learn anything from his failure to stop President Obama from signing the agreement with Iran? Is Netanyahu trying to manufacture an emergency so he can convince reluctant political allies to save him by joining his government? And last but hardly least, How long will the Biden administration put up with this behavior? We will put uh, these questions to one of the most knowledgeable experts on relations between Washington, Jerusalem, Tehran, and other regional capitals, Reserve Colonel Udi Eventhal, who is currently a senior fellow at the IDC Institute for Policy and Strategy. Eventhal served in uh, various defense posts for 25 years. He was head of strategic planning at the Political, Military, and Policy Bureau of the Defense Ministry, assistant to the military secretary of the prime ministers, intelligence attache in Washington and elsewhere. He also had various positions within the IDF's intelligence and planning directorates. Colonel Eventhal has monitored, researched, and analyzed anything and everything in this arena. He joins us right after this short break. If you're listening to this podcast, you obviously care about the Middle East. And if you do, you should probably be reading El Monitor. 
Our Monitor is a global newsroom headquartered in Washington, D.C., with a network of over 160 contributors around the world. Our Monitor offers first-class reporting and analysis from a range of perspectives and an approach that represents the highest journalistic standards, as well as an award-winning commitment to press freedom and independence. If you haven't done so already, visit us at almonitor.com, check out our articles, and sign up for our free newsletters. There's a lot to choose from, including the Week in Review, an essay that offers unusual insights and forecasts into the region based upon Almonitor's outstanding reporting. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to our Almonitor podcast on your favorite podcast platform, on Israel with Ben Caspit, and on the Middle East with me. Andrew Parasoliti. Now I have the, the pleasure to say hello to Colonel uh, Udi Evental. Shalom, Udi. How are you doing? I'm good, Ben. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Thank you. Uh, so let's uh, let's dive into uh, into business, and uh, I'll start and ask you. Uh, you have described Israel's strategic dilemma: should it clash publicly with the Biden administration on Iran? <coughs> I'm sorry, as it did with the Obama White House, or try to exert influence from within? Do you think Israel has made its choice? Um, the answer is yes, uh, actually. Uh, but it's tricky uh, because if you look at the declaration especially, and the actions of, the, of, the, of Israel, uh, then the answer is positive, uh, especially if Israel is behind the, uh, the attack against the Natanz facility and against the, this uh, IRGC uh, vessel, Saviz, uh, like the Iranian accused Israel and according to foreign and local leaks in, uh, in media outlets. Uh, but even if Israel is, is not behind uh, these, uh, operation, these operations, uh, you look at the declaration. And the prime minister said uh, in, uh, during the Holocaust day that uh, Israel will not be bound by the, by the agreement. And the chief of staff, a few weeks ago, the chief of staff, he said uh, uh, he was against, of course, he was also against the going back to the JCPOA, the, the nuclear deal. And he was also signaling that Israel is preparing uh, some, uh, uh, some military options. Um, now, the problem is that uh, this policy is not uh, the result or the product of a proper uh, decision-making process in Israel. Uh, under this, uh, uh, this political crisis in the last two years, uh, I mean, the cabinet was not convened uh, for a few months now. Uh, yeah. No options were presented to decision makers, uh, to, to the government and the cabinet. And uh, no uh, consequences of those options were discussed. Uh, and uh, this is a strategic matter. How do you, uh, your policy vis-a-vis -vis the United States and, and Biden's policy, it's a strategic matter and no discussion was held. And you, you did not mention the, the relationship between the Prime Minister and the Minister of Defense. They hardly speak with each other, the Gantz and Netanyahu. And still, you're, you're actually hinting that it's a one-man's decision and uh, no one took a second, heard second opinion or something. Yes, and I think the problem is that it's a pattern in the last, uh, in the, in the last year. 
Uh, you take the decision to go for annexation. Uh, you take the decision to authorize uh, or to, to accept, to, 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 to turn a blind eye uh, to the authorization to sell the F-35 uh, to, the, to the UAE. Uh, and even recently, all the relationship with Jordan and the, de the decisions that were taken, they, I mean, Jordan is a strategic ally. And, and it, it was not it thoroughly discussed, not even uh, initially discussed. And this is a, a problematic pattern. And we need to remember uh, that uh, a confrontation policy vis-a-vis -vis the, the, the United States, uh, Biden administration and its policy uh, on returning uh, to the JCPOA has uh, a price tag. I mean, it could uh, I mean, it could influence negatively on the on the on the relationship on the relationship between the two countries as a whole, at a point where Israel in, is in a deep crisis and need American support in every front, vis-a-vis -vis the ICC, the, the the military threat that we are facing, uh, uh, to enhance the the normalization process, etc., uh, etc. Et and uh, and of course, if you go against, we saw in Vienna what's going on in Vienna. Uh, in yeah. Vienna, it, I mean, the all international, the international community is there is a consensus on going back to the JCPOA, and if you confront the American policy, uh, you you are uh, you are going to be uh, uh, isolated, uh, and you might turn the Iranian nuclear problem into an Israeli problem and not an international one. Um, okay, but still, I want as a follow-up question to ask you. I, we we heard that uh, a, a, an Israeli delegation, very distinguished one, with the chief of staff Aviv Kochavi, head of Mossad Yossi Cohen, head of uh, military intelligence uh, Tamir Hayman, all generals, will go to Washington, uh, trying to to find some uh, some attention and to convince the the American colleagues that. Uh, Returning just like that to the old uh, nuclear agreement is bad. You think it's there is no chance, or, or did we miss the train already? Yeah, I think uh, um, we are not we are not going uh, to influence uh, the American decision to go back uh, to the to the nuclear deal to the JCPOA. Even though there are some reports that there are some disagreements also inside the American administration on this question. But I think the decision has been made in, 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 in Washington and they are very adamant to go through and they will go an extra mile and they will soften their positions like they have done in recent, recently in order to get to the objective of returning to the JCPOA as a first stage. Uh, and I think we are not going to, we will not be able to make them deviate from this plan. And not only, not only because uh, this administration is meant by the architects uh, of the, all the architects of the original uh, nuclear deal. This is not the main reason. The main reason is that uh, uh, the United States has chosen this because of strategic American interest. We have to understand that. I mean, the, Iran is not top priority for the, for the Biden administration. They want like, like uh, National Security Advisor Sullivan says, they want to put it back into the box and turn into China, etc. Yes. Yes, much more urgent and uh, a much higher priority uh, um, challenges. And the we will not be able, you're saying, to to convince them that the urgency is a lot more than they think, 
And I want to ask you on, on this, uh, maybe to go into details, you mentioned it before, what's your take on the so-called controlled escalation versus Iran, which is no, not looking very controlled in light of the series <laughs> of attacks of Iranian tar targets just as the talks began in Vienna and US Defense Secretary was visit, visit, visiting Israel. If Israel was indeed behind these attacks, do you think the timing was deliberate? Okay, about controlled escalation, uh, it's very clear that uh, both Israel and Iran don't want uh, to, uh, to be dragged into a full-blown escalation between each other. And every, every side understands that the other side doesn't want to go all the way. Uh, now, this is a classic recipe for miscalculation because both sides are willing to take risk. Uh, and, uh, and I think this is, uh, things can, can go out of hand very easily. Now, I think the, the writing is also on the wall. I mean, we, you and I will not, and, and I mean, Israelis will not be uh, surprised if uh, there is an attack from Iraq or, or Yemen, uh, a missile attack or drone attacks from Yemen or Iraq against Israel. Because we, we, we have been warned that this is, this is a potential eventuality. Same goes to uh, an attack uh, against one of our embassies or Jewish institutions around the world. Uh, so, I mean, the writing is on the wall and we, things can escalate, uh, even if both sides don't want them to, to escalate. What we call miscalculation. About, about, yes, about, about, and about the timing of the attack. Um, I mean, this is very difficult to say if the timing of the attack was connected to the talks in Vienna. I mean, uh, it was also, I remind you, it was also nuclear national day in Iran. And there can be many operational considerations, uh, but whoever, uh, whoever executed those operations, this operation must have uh, taken into consideration that it could come across. And I think it did as a deliberate action to derail the talks in Vienna. Uh, Colonel Evental, what is your take on uh, the, the, the declaration of the Iranians that are starting to enrich uranium to 60%, which is very close to the target of 90% if you want to, to produce a nuclear bomb, although uh, experts uh, says that, uh, that uh, the, the explosion in Natanz actually paralyzed their ability to enrich uranium in Natanz, but they still have a thousand uh, centrifuges in, uh, in com. So is it strategic? Is it, uh, do you worry about this 60% issue or it's just a declaration, an empty one? I don't think it's an empty declaration. Uh, actually, they al already uh, notified that they have uh, accumulated few grams already, that they are accumulating few grams and do, they do enrich the 60% uh, in, the, in, in one of the above, level, above ground uh, facilities in Atans. Uh, I mean, there is, not, there, there is no, I mean, the main, uh, the main step towards uh, weapon grade uranium, which is 90%, is going from 3.5% to 20%. This is the ma a major move. And then to 60%, uh, and, and then to 90%. Uh, the 60% level uh, gives you, it shortened the breakout time for, to achieve uh, enough fissile material for a bomb, uh, but you have to accumulate. Uh, and when it comes to accumulation, this is nothing. And also 20%, they have more than a year 
to accumulate enough 20% for, uh, for a bomb. So, I mean, it's not very urgent. The, the, the meaning of this move is mainly symbolic. This is a line in the sand that we are, we are willing to go to move forward uh, if, if uh, our demands are not, uh, are not accepted, we will move forward. I mean, this, the symbolic uh, effect at this point, the symbolic effect of this represent is much more significant than the, the, the technical significance. Yeah, I understand. Do you think there is a, what's your chance from, from following it from here? What's that, in your opinion, the chances of uh, signing uh, the new deal, uh, the old new deal, Uh, reaching the, an agreement between the United States and the powers and Iran right now, uh, as it looks from Vienna? Um, I think the, chance, the chances are not negligible. And uh, I think there is a stra common strategic interest between Biden and Khamenei. Biden, like we said, want to go and deal with other issues, more burning issues. I mean, the, the, the struggle against China is they see it in an historical, as an historical struggle uh, on the global order and on the, uh, uh, the American way of life, uh, et cetera. And, uh, and of course, the, the, the dominance of the democratic system. This is a, an historical struggle and they want to go back. This is the American interest. So they want to put, like we said, Iran on the side And turn and pivot towards China and Asia, Asia, and the and the uh, and the Iranians they want uh, they want very badly uh, to uh, to remove the sanctions. I mean the sanctions are a real burden, and even though uh, there is some positive signs in the Iranian economy, uh, it is very far. Like I mean the IMF said that they are going to uh, to have a growth of 2.5 percent uh, this year. Uh, but this is this is uh, this is not very significant. Uh, there is a, uh, another wave of Corona, a very devastating wave right now as we speak in Iran. Uh, the poverty line is above is around 50% and so on and so forth. Inflation almost 40% according to IMF, and they want badly to remove the sanctions. They have some uh, some breathing room. Uh, still, uh, but so it might take time and uh, it, it might happen after the elections in Iran in June. But I think the chances are, are, uh, are, are not, not bad. Uh, of course, there is, it's a very complicated issue. There is the sequence, the issue of the sequence. There is a potential for escalation on the, in the region that uh, there is the Arab and the Israel and the Arabs in Israel that are opposing also some opposition in Congress. Uh, and uh, of course the issues are not very easy because uh, the, the issue of uh, R&D and on the advanced centrifuge, they, they gained a lot of know-how. What do you do with the know-how? How do you roll it back? So the issues are not simple, but I think the two sides are, they look to me uh, pretty determined to achieve, uh, to achieve the goal of returning to the JCPOA. So the chances are good. Talking about the JCPOA, do you think that uh, the situation right now is better or worse than it was under the JCPOA, which uh, distanced Iran from a bomb, but was also full of holes, including the sunset close? Is, it, uh, is there any chance of uh, squeezing strategic uh, concessions from Iran, such as a significant extension, extension of, the, of the lifetime of the nuclear agreement and the, the expansion of uh, maybe to, to, to include missiles? 
Okay, I think the, the answers to these questions um, uh, are not uh, definitive yet. I mean, the jury is still out and uh, the bag is mixed. Uh, on the one hand, if, I were, if you ask if our situation is better, I mean, in 2018, May 2018, before uh, Trump uh, withdrew from the, from the JCPOA, the Iranians were, uh, were uh, the breakout time of Iran uh, for uh, fissile material for a bomb was around one year. Now it's between three to four months. Uh, so in this, in this uh, we, we, we moved back uh, or we moved backwards. Uh, but on the other hand, you have a very significant sanction leverage vis-a-vis uh, -vis Iran that we didn't have in, in 2018. I think it influenced uh, the ability of Iran to support terror organization around uh, the region. Uh, so it's another game. Uh, but I think that if uh, the Biden administration goes back and doesn't, and, and doesn't succeed uh, to strengthen and prolong the JCPOA like they promised, uh, then we are going to lose uh, the know-how I mentioned earlier, uh, the know-how of uh, advanced centrifuge uh, R&D. Uh, and maybe some other issues like uh, Uranian metal, etc. some more know-how that they gained. And I think we are going to lose that comparing to 2018. Um, and then if, but, but so if, but if we go back to the JCPOA, uh, we are going to meet in uh, around six, seven years, we are going to meet again uh, the problem of uh, the potential of Iran becoming a threshold nuclear state with international legitimacy uh, in, in more seven years. But the good news is that uh, we will have some time uh, to prepare ourselves to this uh, changing reality. Uh, so yes. like I said, it is maybe too early to say uh, what our situation, it's a mixed bag. I want to, to go back to the controlled escalation, so-called, and to ask you to what extent do you think Iran would be willing to take the risk of an open and more violent conflict with Israel if the attacks continue? Can the Iranians afford such a front uh, when their real strategic target is getting rid of the sanctions? I think uh, the answer is the Iranians are willing to take a risk to, to a large ex extent. Uh, the only thing is that a direct and open and direct confrontation between Israel and Iran, this is not the Iranian modus operandi. They are not going to go this in this direction. They have many assets around the region and they, uh, I mean, they have the pro their proxies, uh, that they arm them, they build up their force and they have, uh, and they have, and they know how to operate uh, with uh, some uh, uh, deniability, uh, plausible deniability, and uh, so it will it will not be open uh, and direct, but it will be indirect and with uh, uh, with it, and it will be difficult to find Iranian fingerprints, uh, uh, fingerprints. Um, and and I think what we are experiencing these days. Uh, demonstrate their willingness to take risks. They are negotiating uh, relief of sanctions in Vienna. And at the same time, they have increased their attacks against Saudi Arabia, against the American from Yemen, against the American in, in Iraq and against Israel. So they, they know how to walk and chew gum in, at the same time and they are willing to take risks. 
Uh, and they mitigate, they mitigate the risk with a modus operandi of uh, proxy attacks and uh, plausible deniability. They're very, very good chess players and also a, a bizarre masters. Uh, to what extent uh, do you think an Iran's military nuclear capability be blocked or delayed by a shadow war such as the sabotage at Natanz? As you obviously know, I guess you've been in the military in the, those days, Israeli intelligence predicted in 2001 that Iran would reach breakout capability within four years. It's been 20 years and Iran is not yet there. Can uh, the delay be attributed to Israel efforts and how much longer can Iran's nuclear ambitions be, de be delayed like this? Okay, uh, I mean, the shadow war uh, is not a silver bullet. Uh, this is only one tool in, a, in the toolbox. Uh, this, is, this is only one tool in a campaign that is composed uh, with, with, that, that, is, that includes other tools, uh, military tools, political tools, economic tools, and of course, operational and, and gray, gray zone uh, operations. This is, all those should be synchronized in order to achieve the effect. Uh, the shadow war by itself is not going to, uh, to be the, the, the medicine to the Iranian nuclear problem. Um, and I think uh, the Iranian, uh, if the United States, uh, this is not the case right now, I think, but if the United States succeed uh, with, with, with maintaining a credible military threat towards Iran, uh, I think uh, Iranian ambition uh, could be delayed for a long time. Uh, ambition for a bomb. Okay. The, when the second issue is the predictions that you mentioned, and I think there is when when we talk about predictions, there is a confusion uh, between worst case scenario. This is the, the 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 number of years and months that we hear is are, are a success based uh, scenario and worst case scenario. And uh, the reality is different. Of course, the likely scenarios are different, but we don't hear about them. Uh, and, and about the achievements, uh, Israeli achievements vis-a-vis -vis Iran, I think we have along the years, again, it's a mixed bag. We have, we have uh, had many achievements vis-a-vis uh, -vis Iran uh, and uh, delaying its nuclear uh, program. Uh, I think one of our main, two of our main achievements are first uh, to persuade the international community that Iran is after the bomb, that the Iranian program is a military one uh, in the end. And uh, I think with the, with the archive that was stolen from, uh, the archive that was stolen from uh, Tehran is the final proof uh, to this allegation. And I think the world has uh, been persuaded. And also we succeeded in turning the Iranian nuclear threat into uh, an international problem. So, and we have many other achievements, but so this is one, but on the other hand, when you look at the last 20, uh, the last uh, two decades, last 20 years, you discover that the trend is very negative because uh, in 2005, the, the Iran, uh, in 2003, Iran frozen its nuclear program. It didn't have enrichment uh, or conversion, uh, etc., of of, uh, of uranium. 
Uh, and now they have uh, a, a relatively robust enrichment program uh, with international legitimacy. So the trend is, and, and the same goes to the region. If you look at the region in 2003, uh, I mean, the, the Iranian were under, uh, were very deterred. They were under uh, siege. They felt they were under siege. It was uh, right uh, after the American invasion to Iraq. And this yes, was the only they time. The American in Iraq. They had yeah. the American in Iraq on the one side. They had, uh, in the east, they had the American in Afghanistan. And in the south, they had the American in the, in the, in the Gulf. Uh, the carriers, etc., and they felt uh, under siege and they were very deterred. Uh, when we look at the Iranians these days, uh, they are using a strategy of a siege towards Israel, towards Saudi Arabia. Mm. They are harassing the Americans across the region. And you have a so, Shiite axe uh, from, uh, from uh, the Persian Gulf to, to the Mediterranean and the Red Sea, etc. But I want to touch a, a more strategic question, because as you know, uh, for two decades, at least two decades, there was a, a, an internal debate within the Israeli uh, security uh, establishment between two, two uh, different, total, totally different approaches. One said that we have to fight this Iranian nuclear race with all the means, shadow, not shadow, uh, uh, but we, we cannot afford it and we have to stop it, etc. And the other uh, 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 camp said that you cannot block Iran for good. Iran is a superpower. It's a close to 100 million people with, with infrastructure and, and science. And as, as you said, the know-how, the solution is to change the regime. If you change the regime, the, the, the problem is solved. Uh, where where do you stand between these two uh, two uh, uh, opinions? Yeah, I will begin with the with the with the bottom line. I don't think uh, regime change as a strategy is a, is, is an effective strategy, and I'll explain why. Um, because when this regime, the Iranian regime, is going to understand, they suspect already. Okay, and uh, but they, when they when they are going to be positive that the international community or the United States is after a regime change, it will strengthen their, their, their determination uh, to have the bomb uh, as a policy insurance for their survival. So they will become much more determined and adamant to obtain the nuclear weapon. This is one. Second, you cannot forecast or predict when this kind of a strategy is going to bear fruit, is going to topple the regime. I mean, the regime in Iran is a stable regime, very, uh, they have a lot of uh, capabilities to, uh, to oppress uh, opposition, to crash any sign of opposition. We saw many demonstrations in recent years. Uh, and what do you do in the meantime if they go forward with the nuclear? Uh, it doesn't give an answer to the nuclear problem. Uh, and third, when you look historically in the region, uh, there, is, you, there are, uh, in this kind, you don't know the end, the end, you don't, you cannot predict the outcome of such an effort. First of all, you don't, you cannot be sure that it will succeed. And if it succeeds, you don't, you cannot, you cannot predict who, what kind of a regime will follow the current regime. In the Iranian case, it can be a, a more radical regime. Uh, and you look around uh, in a, we are talking about Afghanistan now, 20 years for the invasion, the American, for 20 years for 9-11, okay? Mm -hmm. And after 20 years, I mean, the regime change was done. A lot of, uh, I mean, immense 
efforts and resources were invested, and probably the Taliban will come back to power after the Iranian, uh, after the Americans are going to leave. Uh, so you really cannot uh, plan for a long time on a regime change strategy, I think. Uh, I think it's not an effective strategy. Okay, my last question, uh, uh, Colonel uh, Eventhal, is uh, that uh, various assessments are being heard recently from different sources, including one by former CIA director James Woosley, that the U.S. is underestimating the threat level from Iran. According to Woosley, Iran already has the capability and uh, components to put together a nuclear bomb. Do you believe he's right? And can we be sure with all the resources of Israeli very good intelligence and CIA and uh, the Western world that we know exactly what they have and what they don't? Um, I'm glad you asked this question because it, it has become very trendy uh, also uh, in Israel to say that Iran is already, uh, is already a nuclear threshold state and uh, upon decision they can rush uh, very, very quickly and obtain the, the nuclear weapon capability. And I think uh, Woolsey and others, uh, they confuse uh, between breakout time, we discussed it, they confuse between breakout time for, an, for fissile material, uh, which is uh, three to four months. I mean, the fissile material is this 30, 35 kilograms of 90% uh, enriched uranium. So this is three to four months, but this is not the bomb. I mean, the bomb, you have to take this fissile material to and design put it on it a into, missile, yes. To first to design it into a nuclear device and to put the nuclear device on the, on the tip of, uh, of a missile. And I'm, I'm counting on the Israeli assessment, uh, the, Israeli, the, the Israeli defense intelligence assessment that was shared with a military correspondent only recently. And uh, according to our uh, intelligence, it, it is going to take the Iranian two years from decision. Now, I also want to, we discuss it also, that reality is tough. I mean, to take such a decision is not an easy, it's not an easy decision for the Iranian because it could entail uh, an attack against their infrastructure, military and nuclear infrastructure. So I think, uh, um, I, I think we still have time uh, and uh, the Iranian uh, nuclear uh, capability can be delayed for a long time. But I cannot ask you, I cannot hold uh, from asking, asking you another question because you, you spoke about an attack. And uh, before you, you mentioned the military, the American uh, military option that I'm not seeing the Americans using it or mentioning it or threatening. Yes. But do you think an Israeli attack uh, is still on the table? I mean, Israeli attack uh, is not relevant right now. And I'll tell you why, because I mean, according to all assessments, uh, an attack, a full scale attack against the Iranian infrastructure will, uh, will gain maybe in, in a good, uh, uh, in, in a successful uh, base scenario, it will, give the, it, it will give Israel or the international community up to five years at the most. And I mean, if, if you go back now to the nuclear deal, this is what you get. You, you get seven years 
more or less until the sunset closes so, so you, you're US. saying you, you have it for free why why uh, why go to I war mean, I don't see any any logic right now uh, for 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 uh, for any attack if you can go to the nuclear deal and what, what do you attack you will get that uh, not for free I mean there are some uh, costs costs and prices involved in coming back to the JCPOA but Uh, the cost and the implications uh, of a full-scale military attack are also very, very high. So uh, I think for the time being, uh, we have time to plan, uh, we have time for planning in this respect. Colonel Udi uh, Eventhal, it was very interesting. I thank you very much for uh, joining us here in On Israel. Toda Rabba, Udi. We'll be right, right back after this short break. I'm Andrew Parasoliti, president of the award-winning media news site, El Monitor, where we cover the Middle East with some of the best reporters and columnists anywhere. And I'm excited to announce our new podcast, On the Middle East, where each week I will interview newsmakers from the U.S. and the region about the latest news and trends with additional commentary from our on-the-ground correspondents. Those of you who follow the region know that what happens in the Middle East doesn't stay in the Middle East. And to cite another great movie line, every time the U.S. tries to get out, the region pulls us back. Your time is valuable, so let me promise you this. You will learn something and you will never be bored because each week we'll be talking with and listening to those leaders who are making the news and shaping the trends in this critical and fascinating region. So please subscribe to On the Middle East with me, Andrew Parasoliti. Thank you for staying with us. Colonel Leventhal fears the possibility that Israel will uh, find itself isolated once again if it decides to uh, once again clash with a sitting American president. Such a move, he warns, will have a heavy price tag, a devast- devastating effect on Israel-US relationship, and will probably push the Iranian nuclear danger from an international crisis to an Israeli problem. Colonel Eventhal thinks that Israel have probably already decided to try to ruin or sabotage the renewed American effort towards a nuclear agreement, and he thinks this move was not done or decided after proper or due process in cabinet or other professional forums. He says that the chances for reaching an agreement between the sides in Vienna are not slim and not neglectable due to the mutual interests of both President Biden and Supreme Leader Khamenei in this goal. Hope you found it uh, interesting. I'll see you here next Monday in On Israel, in Al Monitor. I'm Ben Kaspit from Tel Aviv. Take care.